Grace and mercy and peace be with you, my friends in Christ, from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen. I pray that you all had a, a blessed Christmas, uh, wherever it was and whoever you were gathered together with. I pray that that was a blessed time to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ for our salvation. I know we still have a lot of uh, families and college students traveling and, and, and on breaks, and so our prayers are with uh, many as well as they finish out the time of vacation. Uh, today is the, the last day of the calendar year, and so we'll ring in a new year uh, tomorrow, and, and uh, we, we look forward to that day as well. But on this day, um, in, in God's house, the scripture lessons in Luke chapter 2 uh, lead us to this place uh, where Mary and Joseph bring Jesus into the temple in Jerusalem. And so today and next week, we are going to have these stories of the, the early days of Jesus' life. Now, we don't know a lot about the first 30 years of Jesus' life. We don't have a lot of stories about that time. Uh, but we do have these two, and so we'll look at these stories today, this presentation of Jesus uh, next Sunday, the visit of the Magi. And there are a few others as well. And and, and every story that does show up from the childhood of Jesus Christ is there for a reason. And in those stories, what we see every time is that people notice something about Jesus and they recognize him as the coming Messiah. They recognize him by the power of the Holy Spirit that this is the chosen one. And so today we're going to look at this story of Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus to the temple and then we'll see these people, Simeon and Anna, both in the temple who recognize Jesus. Uh, today, we're, we're mostly going to look just at what Simeon says uh, regarding Jesus. I would love to dive into what Anna says as well, but, you know, probably for time constraints, we're not going to. So maybe next year we'll talk about Anna when we get back to the scripture lesson. Uh, but, but this is the plan for today. And the story here starts, and you may want to have this lesson insert out. I'm going to Pay close attention uh, to at least the beginning of this, the first, uh, first number of verses. The story begins here with Mary and Joseph uh, doing what it was that Jewish people are supposed to do at this time. So the story starts with these words, right? When the time came for their purification. When the time came for their purification. Now we can just read this and be like, okay, whatever going on, but I find it valuable to look at what it is that this actually means. Uh, and so we need to uh, go back into the Old Testament uh, to get the context for what Mary and Joseph are actually doing. And it does say the time came for their purification. Now who is this talking about? It is, it is plural here. Uh, many people think maybe it's Mary and Joseph, but, it, but I mean Mary and Jesus, but it's actually about Mary and Joseph. Uh, as, as a wedded couple, it's time for their purification after giving birth to a child. It's Joseph's responsibility as head of the household to see to it that his wife goes through with this process of becoming clean again after, having after giving birth to a child. And Mary is the one who needs to be purified. And so it is their purification. Now, it, Luke specifically says this is according to the law of Moses, that they need to go through this whole ordeal. So where is this written in the law of Moses? It's actually in Leviticus chapter 12. Let me, let me read this for you. It'll be up on the screen. So Leviticus chapter 12 verses 1 through 4 says this, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, 
Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days, as at the time of her menstruation she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall continue for thirty-three days in the blood of her purifying. She shall not touch anything holy, nor come into the sanctuary, until the days of her purifying are completed. So essentially, in, in Jewish culture at this time, um, and it, I mean, this is hundreds of years later after the law of Moses is given. So people have been doing this for years and 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 years, day after day after day after day after day after day, okay? This is just what Jewish people do. So after giving birth to a person, a, a woman would be unclean for essentially 40 days after giving birth to a, to a boy. And in that process, on the eighth day, the child would be circumcised. And then on the 40th day, they'd go to the temple for purification. So this is exactly what Mary and Joseph are doing. And if you go back to Luke chapter 2, verse 21, just one verse before where we started, that's where you can actually read that Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. So he was circumcised on the eighth day. And then here on the 40th day, they travel to Jerusalem for the purification of G, or for the purification of Mary and Joseph and presenting Jesus in the temple. So when they go to the temple, it says that they also bring with them a what? Uh, a sacrifice. They bring with them a sacrifice, and Mary and Joseph bring with them two turtle doves. Okay? Now you know the, the song of the 12 Days of Christmas, right? Two turtle doves and a partridge. And a... That actually, from what I understand, is not this, okay? That song, by the way, has a lot of meaning behind it. The two turtle doves in that song has to deal with uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament being gifts from God. Uh, here, there is this sacrifice that can be offered as two turtle doves. But where is this written? This is also in Leviticus chapter 12, in the same section about what to do after childbirth. Let me read this for you, starting at verse 6 in Leviticus 12. When the days of her purifying are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she can take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. So what we see here with Mary and Joseph in this story is that Mary and Joseph are just simply doing what they are supposed to do. Okay? This is not uncommon. This, again, as I said, would be happening all the time with all people that are having birth all the time. I wonder how many babies were there on that day that Jesus is being presented in the temple right? It, probably more than even just Jesus. It was a regular occurrence. And now we, we do see in Luke, in Luke 2 that Mary and Joseph brought for a sacrifice what? They brought two turtle doves. In the law of Moses, you're supposed to bring a lamb and then a turtle dove or a pigeon. But Moses even said if you can't afford the lamb, because the lamb would be expensive, you can bring two turtle doves. So Mary and Joseph bring two turtle doves. So we're, we can make the presumption here that Mary and Joseph are not well off right? When it comes uh, to money, they're probably uh, kind of like working poor people. And so we have Mary and Joseph here doing what they are supposed to do. They're doing the standard protocol. Uh, just like those of you who have children, you go in for a sex, 
careful what I say there, a six-week checkup. A six-week checkup. You go in for a six-week checkup with your doctor, right? Uh, and and uh, so that's standard protocol. And so Mary and Joseph do what they are supposed to do. It is standard, right? So when they get to the temple here, they meet this guy named Simeon. They meet this guy named Simeon. We don't know a lot about Simeon. It just says that he is righteous and he is devout and he is there in the temple. Now the Holy Spirit had come to Simeon at some point and said, Simeon, you will not die until you see the promised Christ. You won't die. I have no idea when the Holy Spirit came to Simeon and gave him that message. Okay, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how old he is. I don't know when that happened, but the Holy Spirit had given him that message, right? And so when Mary and Joseph show up with Jesus, Simeon knows by the power of the Holy Spirit that this is the Messiah. Simeon then goes over and he takes Jesus in his arms. He lifts up that child and he says these words, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon is essentially saying, Lord, you are now letting me die in peace. I know that you have fulfilled your promise to send the Messiah, and in his promise, salvation is here. Peace is here for all people. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for delivering on your promise. And now Simeon is saying these words as he is holding the Christ child in his very hands. I just had the the privilege to hold Carson, a, a small child, in my arms just a minute ago. Imagine, uh, I'm sure all of you have held a child at some point, imagine holding baby Jesus in your arms, knowing what it is that he's going to go through for you. And Simeon knows, Simeon knows, further words later on, he knows what Jesus is going to do. Holding Jesus and then saying, now I can die in peace. It's a powerful image, but today I want you to imagine the image a little bit differently. Not you holding Jesus, but I want you to imagine Jesus holding you. Jesus holding you. Because this is what is true for all Christians. This is what is true. Jesus holds us. And because he holds us, we can live in peace and we can even die in peace. This morning, again, we had this baptism for Carson. And in this, bat, in this gift of holy baptism, there is this word that is brought into Carson's life, this promise that is given to him that God is holding you, Carson, just like your dad's holding you, God is holding you. For every day of your life, in every moment, all the days of your life, Carson, and not just every day of your life, but every moment of your life, And even through your life, and this gift of baptism, we are told in the scriptures, unites us with Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. So as you are baptized with Christ, you're united with him in death even. Jesus holds you, Christian people, through your death, and he holds you through that death all the way to that point of resurrection when he comes again. Jesus holds you. 
He holds you all the time. Jesus holds you, dear Christian friends. He holds you through life. He holds you through death. He holds you through all of eternity. And because he holds you, there is peace. Peace for you as you live and peace for you even when you die. Our dear friend, our brother in Christ, Gary Worrell, passed away on Saturday morning uh, after having a massive stroke just a, a week prior to that. Uh, Gary is going to be a man that will be sorely missed in this congregation. Uh, he, he was a guy that accomplished many and, and volunteered and just did many, many different tasks in this church, many which you probably don't even know about or don't even notice, uh, but he did all these things without, without uh, accolades, without wanting any attention. Uh, Gary's the guy who, he scheduled elders, he scheduled ushers for the late service, he scheduled our lay readers. Uh, Gary's the guy who decorated the outside of our church and, and hung all the Christmas lights and hooked up uh, extension cords. He led landscaping projects in the summers. Uh, every Sunday morning when I teach adult Bible class, he was usually the guy to go get Bibles and pass them out. Gary is an elder at our church, and he was my, my partner on many different visits to homebound members to bring communion to the elderly. Uh, I'm going to miss his friendship and his partnership in ministry. On the day that Gary had a stroke, uh, uh, the, the family called me. He had a stroke here locally and was flown to Marquette, and I drove over right away to Marquette, and I spent some time in the emergency room in Marquette with Barb and, and Gary, and that was, that was all who were there. Uh, we spent quite a while together praying and reading scripture. Gary was hospitalized for a, about a week there, and, and last uh, Thursday I was called, and, um, and, I, and I went back to the hospital and spent some time again with Gary and with Barb, and their son Mark was up visiting. We read a lot of scripture that day. Uh, Gary was, you know, semi-conscious, uh, or so it seemed. Um, and, and I told them, you know, I'd be preaching on these words, on uh, this, what we call the Nunc Dimittis, these words of Simeon. I'd be preaching on these words today. This was just a few days ago. Uh, and so I said, hey, let's, let's read these words. They would, have been in, they would have been in worship somewhere. They were going to be on vacation, actually, not, not here today. Uh, but I told them we would be reading these words, and so I read it, and I said, you know what, these are actually very fitting words for us at this time. Right? I, I, I read these words. Let me read them again. Uh, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Those are the last words that I, I read with Gary last Thursday before I left the hospital. Uh, and then on, on Friday, I received a call from the family that Gary's health was failing fast. He would be moved to a hospice room that day at the hospital. Uh, and so being that I was here and there in Marquette, and we didn't know how much time we had, I, I did what we call the commendation of the dying over the phone. Uh, maybe some would call it the last rites or something like that, but uh, it's an order of scriptures and, and prayers. And so I did that with them over the phone and over the speaker phone. And they said Gary even opened his eyes a couple of times during that service. The very last words of that commendation of the dying are these words from the Song of Simeon, right? Lord, now I can depart in peace. How appropriate. Lord, I can die in peace according to your word because in you, Jesus, you have brought salvation. In you, light is here for all people, Jews and Gentiles, for all people. Light is here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your life, for your death, for your resurrection, for calling us to be your very own people.
in this moment in your lives, in this moment in your lives, in this moment in Carson's life, at the very end of Gary's life, the image is true across the board. Jesus is holding you. Jesus is holding you, my dear friends in Christ. Jesus is holding you at the beginning of life, throughout life, every moment of life, at the point of death, through death, into the resurrection of eternity. Jesus holds you. Jesus holds you. Jesus is holding you. He will hold you. He will continue holding you to the day of everlasting life. Go in his everlasting peace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.